has a lesson. Whether it's good or bad, you can learn from it. Welcome back to another episode. Weeks have gone by, but we are still continuing to fight. Some change is coming, but we need to keep the fight going. Don't give up. I have three guests sharing their opinions on police brutality, black lives, and even viewing life differently on a positive take. What's going on is absolutely horrible, but even changing the way you look at life, the world can change. Well, what do I want to avoid them? Because it's super touchy. It's very especially touchy. If you're talking, especially if you're a minority trying to explain to like, you know, a, a white person or, or something. And, and there's some things like that you notice that they might not necessarily get that mm-hmm. a lot of other might understand. I spent a little bit of time trying to trying to gather my thoughts, but there's just there's so much to say. I feel like I want a, a second phone call with you in the future. It's it's pretty it's pretty clear this movement has seen like a lot more seen a lot more success than looking back through history. You know, mm-hmm. even in 2016, people are more vocal about it now. Some things happened where people started listening to each other, or. It's become it's become more of an understanding, and I think as a as a whole, we finally come to the most of us have finally come to the conclusion that you can't be racism isn't greater, or you have to be you have to be anti-racist at this point, or else mm-hmm. you know, or else you're racist, basically. Not helping anybody, yeah. So, like this whole thing has has sparked up so much conversation with me and my friends at work. Um, for all sorts of different ethnicities. We, we would be having conversations that we would never have had if it, if it weren't for this. Talking about race, talking about these hard conversations like police brutality, talking about how deeply rooted the system is and how it historically oppresses people of color and especially, you know, black people. So having these people listen and having these kinds of conversations are only good the way that we can that we can work together and you know ultimately we want to uproot this awful system kind of like start fresh or if not that take a really 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 deep look and rebuild like the police system because right now the police system is and has been a horrific failure mm-hmm. for, for mostly everybody you know um but these kinds of conversations are, are really good to be having because there's there's mutual understanding. Definitely. And have you been at uh, the protests? And you said you were earlier. You said you were at the protests in Worcester, right? Yeah, I went to one maybe two weeks ago. And and for context, there was one that had happened a week before, um, where everything went totally peaceful until maybe about 6 p.m. and that was when the protest was scheduled to end. Um, some people obviously stayed and then there was a little there was a little conversation with uh, police officers and protesters. Um, I think on the southern south part of Worcester. Um, but the way police are handling these protests is a whole nother topic, but I really want to touch on it briefly. How the hell are you, you know, <laughs> are you fighting you know, peaceful protesters with banned fucking weaponry. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's insane. Like, why we're trying and to also, have a peaceful. 
it's almost fucking comical that like people are protesting against police brutality and how do the police respond you know that's not a good fucking look to have. it doesn't it doesn't make any you know, sense you know, it doesn't make any sense but it goes to show like how bad the system is in mm-hmm. for, for people of color this is this is a little more of an obvious statement but we've known about this has been happening for a while and how bad yeah we, we, we already know this the buffalo protest i feel like i feel like if that hadn't happened i feel like like the, the nation would be a little less outraged what, what about, like, let's say if we didn't have cameras and all that, you think it would be totally different? Um, no, I don't, I don't, like, yes and no. The, for, for, for what, from what I understand, um, obviously social media is, is only a good thing in this context. Because the more you fucking, the more you film uh, the police, and stuff the, the more bad stuff you see the more outraged the nation will get at them mm-hmm. um which i think we don't need outrage but we need people to come together and understand that police dismantling or reform or whatever you want to call it is is necessary something needs to freaking change this isn't just you know one of those things you go to a rally you show up you march whatever everything's great and then that's it no this is a fight that that will take and has been taking years and years and years and years, yes. and will continue. I feel like until we get take it. Years and years. What we we are taking right now, no, they're good steps, but I think this is far from the end of it. Mm. Um, because shit, and 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 looking at news yesterday, stuff's still going on, man. Like, you know, police are still being police, and until that until that changes, until that whole system is uprooted, we got to keep fighting. One big thing is that as an Asian, you know, I feel like generally speaking, the Asian people aren't very vocal about like this situation. My mom and dad, they, you know, I told them that I went to a rally and, and, and they had they had nothing to say about it. It's like it's just like it's like they almost didn't want to get themselves involved. But but we can't do that anymore. Like the more we keep quiet, the more like bystanders at this point are almost as bad. Like you have to speak you up. Have you to. have to say something definitely um, i definitely agree it's time to take that stance you know and i went to the rally and i went with uh one of my buddies who's also asian and i think out of everybody there it was just like maybe like four asians and and i, and I think it's time to get involved so i want to speak to to whoever all the asian americans who may be listening out there like it's time this isn't like a white or a black matter this is like or nor is it like an us versus them. It's like it's like everybody versus racist. That's that's kind of where we're at right now. So I feel like it's time to take a stand. It's time to be proactive because being silent is not enough anymore. Exactly. My thing is, people want to say all lives matter. Well, if all lives matter, all of us have to put in the work. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's just how it is. The, the the thing is with all lives matter is that. Uh, this whole <laughs> I want to keep talking no no as a black man would you say that you're afraid of the police um in my experiences that I had my run-ins with the police 
um, some of them came at me mad stern, like, he was like, yo, I've seen it before, I was like, no, you haven't, like, what are you talking about, I felt like I was targeted, like, he was ready to start something, but, other than it being completely my fault and me owning up to my own, my own faults and not trying to get away with stuff is basically me personally, I think that they were just doing their job, and my run-ins, personally, I was having an episode, they were, they were detaining me, until they get, uh, just calm down and figure out what they're gonna do with me, uh, the next thing is track violations, I, I haven't been doing too much, that's, that's personally, or like, legally, a, a crazy thing to, for cops to get riled up, uh, plus, uh, when they come to me, I, I basically treat them with respect. I feel that like they're just doing the job. They want to go home, and they don't want to be beating the shit out of people all the time. It's just if you get them a hard time, they don't know what to do, and it just the way they back it up is just they get a little aggressive. Um, about police, me being afraid of them. Me personally, nah. But some people else probably, especially in areas, areas like urban areas and whatnot like where it's like a lot of crimes a lot of drugs and whatnot going on and especially that they police it you might have to look out because you may have been around people you may look like people that may have did something and they're just really just tracking down trying to get one person and everybody's wearing the same thing like it's not the same thing but clothes are affordable clothes they look the same thing they look alike so like say yeah you're wearing a hoodie uh, it's like a thousand people wearing hoodies, especially in fall time. Everybody's wearing a hoodie. So I'm, uh, they're just doing their job. They're trying to get people. And like, when when it comes to the cuffs, and they're trying to sit, solve situations, generally what I've been seeing on media is that you, people give them a hard ass time. They want to pull up their ID, they don't want to tell them their name. It's like, who you been looking for? Tell me who you looking for before I tell them they, Like, yo, just bring up your fucking name. Like, you know what I mean? So, excuse my language, but like, you know what I mean? Just comply, and so they can just get the job done. They don't want to be targeting people up here in the north, at least. The south, different story. I mean, <laughs> Do you feel like your hair plays a big role? My hair, yeah. Uh, generally, like I said, the cops have been doing their job. They get. They get told over radio, not even on paper, what somebody looks like. You know what I mean? And it's just like, they're supposed to just track this person down. I'm, I'm rocking dreads. Somebody else that was rocking dreads committed a uh, robbery or some shit like that. I'm wearing dreads. I'm wearing a black tee. How many people's wearing a black tee and wearing dreads? Um, other than the hat. I'm just saying, it's just, they're looking for general people and some people match the description. Now, they could have went in a completely different direction. And the reason why they got you instead of, you know what I mean? But when they start enforcing it and everybody's getting tackled and nobody's giving up their name and yada, yada, yada. And everybody wants to give a fight at the innocent until proven guilty. Well, everybody's a target at that point. Um, uh, I figure that when they get detained, it's like you're not being arrested. You're being detained so they could calmly figure shit out. And if you are the person, they could just take you in. Um, uh, if you're not the person, they uncuff you, they say sorry, they continue with their day, trying to find that same person. I was a security guard, and 
I, I didn't want to like target people, but like just people, cause I've been in their shoes, and I I took some candy. You know what I mean? I took chips, whatever. But there's some people that just be like, and I know. <laughs> some people just be taking shit for fun, like just do shit for fun for the thrill of it, see if they can get away with it. Or at least, at least my friends that I had before were just doing that shit. So I'm, uh, me and my just being security guard. I don't want to hassle nobody. I'm like, man, this is low shit. I'm not even gonna bother you. But like, other people that may have been in security positions or in cop positions, where it's like, we're tired of people taking from the store, track down on it, like get these people. They have pictures and it's just you're supposed to track down on something that you really have a good idea of. And you're supposed to lock down on this so everybody becomes a target. Especially if they look the same. So I'm uh generally black people had the same look. I'm not I'm not gonna front like we had like a crazy different look, especially with dark to darker tones. And that the cops are surrounding areas, like urban areas, because there's a lot of shit going on. Even in suburban areas, there's things going on, but they have a thing for checking out on low-income areas. Because, well, people are, they are robbing and stealing because they don't have it. They want to get quick money. Or they want to get by and do things. And it's just not the, not the greatest way to do things. It's pretty shady. But they do it. So they lock down on it and they try to get, try to get away with it. You really can't tell who's innocent or not because everybody's doing some bullshit. It's not everybody, but a lot of people. And the more that you get called up for the same thing in the same area, well, everybody's a target. Now, if they let you go, um, uh, you're you let go. But now you have a bad, bad influence. Right? They're always targeting us and yada yada yada. But it's just like, who's wearing blue jeans? Who wearing blue jeans? Who's they can't tell shoes by design. Uh, they can't really describe people that much because who knows how to describe people. Like, some people don't even know cars. Yeah, they just automatically say black man with dreads and thick built. That's pretty hard right. to say. You could say the same thing as like a white man. A white man with brown hair, blue eyes. Like, there's a lot of white men with that. Right, right, right. And and describing people, everybody has a different idea of what people look like. Yeah. I may be a little bit stocky. Some people may... If I know that I'm fucking up, I'm gonna be like, all right, well, you got me. I'm not gonna give a fight. You know what I mean? Some people will will fight it all the time, and that's what's making the job hard because everybody's supposedly innocent. Just be calm and, and, and stop fighting so goddamn much. <laughs> like they 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 just want to get some information. Like you're you're probably not even one, but like their thing is to, to hold you down until they figure out. Um, uh, if you're innocent, well, you're innocent. Unless you really got something to hide and everybody wants the reason why everybody knows I'm like, nah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I doubt. Basically, if you're innocent, act innocent. Well, I mean, racial profiling is something that if you are, you know, an African-American or even a Chinese or anybody that uh, gets racially profiled, I mean, when you think about it, even a Caucasian, gets racially profiled. They might have racial preference, uh, but it's still a profile because they're identifying you based on your race and they're treating you accordingly. So, um, you know, we got to understand that, you know, we're in a world that's very complex. We have a lot of ignorant people in the world. We have a lot of people that have built these biases about 
uh, certain things, whether it's eating certain foods or being around certain people. And I believe racial profiling is nothing but uh, a uh, stigma of color. That's what it gets down to. Uh, in America, the darker you are, the more you're going to get stigmatized. Mm. Uh, my grandmother, my grandmother, she was able to pass as a white woman. And my father uh, had a lot of resentment for her because uh, she gave him up uh, and had him stay with my great-grandmother because she wanted to make sure that, you know, she didn't get looked upon as a black woman. And she passed as a white woman for a long, long time. And then when she began to have more children, she realized her mistake and accepted them as black children and ended up marrying a black man and, and uh, you know, kind of smoothed herself back into the, the African-American society. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of times that you, you know, find yourself in a racially profiled position, whether it's at work, uh, people can look upon you and think that you don't have knowledge just because of the color of your skin. And then as they begin to talk to you and they see, you know, how you articulate or how you move yourself uh, in the environment, then they, they treat you differently. But initially, of course, you know, they're going to look upon you as maybe someone that is uh, inferior to them, mm -hmm. uh, incompetent, uh, let, you know, uh, incompetent or maybe not as knowledgeable as them. And, uh, you know, that's just when it's time for you to find the right time and to stand. Definitely. I, I definitely get that, like, even throughout college and even when, when I got to my new job, like, people looked at me like, oh, she's an engineer? Like, oh, she does this? Like, I definitely had a lot of doubts um, going through these stages. But I think, you know, in our corporate America, uh, the onset of even starting a job, you're going to get that. I don't, I think it is still racially motivated, mm -hmm. uh, but then I think that barrier is easily snapped once you engage yourself in your environment. Um, but I do think that, you know, you have to be careful. I think the incident that your mother's referring to is uh, I came back to Oklahoma and was visiting Oklahoma and I stood in the line with everybody else and the lady kept accepting other people up front and I had to, you know, say, excuse me, you know, I am standing here, I do want to make a purchase. And then she finally, oh, you, oh, I didn't see you. Well, yeah, you saw me, you know, you just did not uh, want to wait on me. Uh, you want to wait on everybody else and then wait on me. And I think it's important that you, you know, when you get in those situations, you, you draw a clear line and ex explain your intent. What would you tell yeah. listeners um, on how to avoid questioning and just how to be smooth with it? Because some people aren't. Well, I think that I think that people are only doing what they see others do. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people have a tendency. Um, not understanding the, the law perspective of it. They're out there doing a job. And when you look at it from that perspective that they're out there doing a job, even if they're profiling you, uh, what does that really mean? Uh, so if they're out to stop all black males and you're a black male, 
and you already know that that's what they're gonna do, you know, to take the right road to it, you know? I mean, I don't see why there has to be anger and bitterness in that. You know the environment that you're in. You know that as a black male, you've got a possibility of being stopped. When you get stopped, that's where you have to say, am I going to be this angry black male? Or I'm going to be somebody that's going to be respected to the police? Because if you're respected to them, they change their posture. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that whenever I get stopped, the first thing I do, without them even having to ask me, my hands go on the dashboard. That automatically lets them know that I've either been through that before, I understand that I'm going to minimize their threat. So when I put my hands on the dashboard, I just say, how are you doing today, sir? Is there any reason why you stopped me? And then I listen to why he stopped me. If he stopped me, and I've been stopped just here in Stillwater because I made a turn. And when I made the turn, I didn't stay in the left lane. I moved over to the right lane. I did a wide turn. Well, and, and by law, he has the right to stop me. So now that I understand why I'm stopped, then the first thing I do it's going to what? Apologetic mode. Well, sir, I'm so sorry that I'm wasting your time and I did not do the proper turn. Is there anything else I can do for you? You see, I'm taking control of the situation. Mm -hmm. And then that officer normally will say, well, sir, I just need for you to be careful where you're going. And I said, well, sir, if you look at my uh, ID, I don't live very far from here. I'm on my way home. And that's a legitimate question. You know, if they want to continue to ask those questions, I think you need to be proactive and think ahead of it. Um, you know, at 57 years old, I've never had an issue where any officer has even given me a ticket. And, and I've been speeding before and haven't gotten a ticket because of my approach to the officer and explaining my situation and respecting him for the job that he do. I mean, there's always a thank you at the end of the interaction. They always say, sir, I thank you for your service. Thank you for being out here in the streets, taking care of the situation for me. Because they are kind of keeping us safe. If we didn't have officers, there'd be lawlessness everywhere. Yeah, but my so, thing is, you know, I, sorry, my thing is like younger listeners, like people my age, they wouldn't agree to that. They'll be like, oh, they're trying to stir um, something, you know, they're trying to approach us and so what do you think about like pretty much all the black people dying I think, these... I, think it, I think it's horrible yeah I think it's horrible I think that for anyone to use that much a use of force and I think these officers should go to jail I think they should be tried if I'm in a state that has a death penalty they should be put to death because they've gone they've they've gone beyond the extent of, of the law it's almost like if I got stopped and the officer jacked me up and handcuffed me because I made a, a wide turn, that's excessive. And that should be handled appropriately. I don't think that the young people being upset about it is, is anything wrong with that. I think that the actions of some that's not even involved to go into other states and other communities and stir up stuff, and people are now looting and they're they're, you know, destroying buildings, that these other people, they didn't do anything to, to justify their building to be destroyed or their car to be bombed or, you know, but I think that this is because people don't feel like there's anything that's being done and no one's listening. Mm -hmm. So how do you get someone to listen? 
when you get someone to listen by showing excessive actions yourself, is that helping the situation, or do you just become just one of them? The whole idea is the fact that this was excessive force. So are you going to put excessive force on top of that force to get attention to it? Okay, or are you going to do something as proactive as an NFL player who bends a knee and hasn't had a job since 2016? That's detrimental to his family. Mm -hmm. And now he's trying to get back into the NFL. But the bottom line is that he went against the, the grain, and this is what it's costing him. That shouldn't happen. So there's a lot of injustice. I think a lot of it just stems back from uh, slavery uh, being in versus indentured uh, service versus being a slave. I think the slave mentality is still there. I think there's a lot of uh, Caucasian people that are very upset with what's going on in their lives. Remember, these people own the country. And now, and now where are they? They can't even hold down a job. So there's a lot of, at the low income level, there's a lot of bitterness there. At the high income level, the money is still there. Those families are still rich and wealthy off of us. You know, what we do every day is out there to run their businesses for them and we don't benefit from it. So there's a lot of going on in this world. The young people, I feel sorry for more for them as far as the opportunity. You know, I grew up in the 60s, and then when we hit the 70s, we had affirmative action. We had quotas. We had, you had to have a certain percentage of black people at a certain level. Because if we didn't have that, then there was no way anybody was gonna reach those levels because no one was gonna hold anyone accountable for making sure that the percentage was fair and accurate. Uh, now we don't even have affirmative action anymore. We're, people still feel like that that uh, African Americans can can make it on their own. And I love uh, Martin Luther King. If you've ever seen a clip from him, where he talked about uh, farmers in America and how we subsidized farmers uh, and gave them all the tools that they need to be successful. We tell a black man after slavery to, you know, zip up the bootstraps and and. and but we gave no government assistance at all to help black people achieve. And this is just the inequalities that we have in our society. Okay, I'm gonna flip a little bit and I'm gonna look at it from a totally different side. I'm gonna look at it towards not a black and white issue, but a right and wrong issue. I wanna look at it from a spiritual issue real quick because you know how I am. That's one thing that I have to make sure that I put that in there, anything that I speak on. Mm -hmm. Because spirits, because the spirit doesn't have a color, okay? Now, uh, a person can go through a spiritual battle and color can be used in that to, to come against people. But if you truly are a person that's saying, I'm a child of the most high God, then you're going, your warfare will be the same. You're still going to go through these black and white issues, but then you find yourself being much above all of those issues because you're looking at people and the treatment of people and how they treat you from a spiritual aspect that you know that you have to govern yourself in a totally different way. And as somebody that had anywhere from 16 managers and 800 people that I operated with, I operate them not as a black and white 
Ethiopia and from a spiritual standpoint and treated them like I wanted to be treated. And that made all the difference in the world. But I still had racism mm -hmm. within the ranks of the people that I worked with, you know, that felt like that they could treat me or say anything that they want, even here. Uh, just recently, they just terminated a, a young lady within our ranks because she made an inappropriate comment. I can't give the details, but towards me. Yeah. In the environment that we're in, even today, there's people who feel like that blacks can't touch them. Uh, they still think of us as dogs. Uh, so we've got a lot of issues that still needs to be uh, fixed in our society. And we as people of color have to be above all of these issues that we're coming to. Thank you for listening. Please message me if you would like to be on the podcast to share a lesson.